Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Uh, You know, with what I get to do and the conversations I get to have, um, it's really a privilege and an honor to be able to meet some of the movers and shakers, not just here in the U.S., but across the world and in global education, those that are very, very passionate about making a difference for kids, teachers, parents, and communities uh, abroad. And and this goes to this. We're going to have a conversation today with uh, Sari Herme Metala. She's the founder and CEO of Cadet Science out of Finland. And I first met Sari during StartEd's EdTech Week, uh, the Shark Tank event. I was a shark. <laughs> Hopefully... I won't be a shark today. Sorry if you're okay. Uh, just sort of swimming in the same pool with me in that regard. If we kind of go with that, um, but I was so impressed with what she was presenting with today's science, and, and maybe it's because I have young children, and understanding what they do for children three to eight years old um, in the STEAM space, and supporting educators with lesson plans in that area, and just the opportunities for young people to really expand. I think their mind um, and the way in which they conceive of the world around them. So it's a great pleasure to welcome in Sorry to the program. Uh, so Sorry, tell me a little bit about your experience during uh, Shark Tank. Let's start there. Look, a lot of entrepreneurs, they go through this, they, they, you know, they dream, maybe they don't dream, <laughs> it's more of a nightmare <laughs> of presenting in front of both investors and influencers in the space. I'm sure that wasn't your first time doing it, but tell, us, tell the audience a little bit about that experience for you, not just as a company, but as the CEO. Yeah, I think when you do it uh, often enough, you start to liking it. Like I actually know what it's like to pitch, <laughs> no matter if it's 90 seconds or one minute or even eight minutes, what we did uh, last week in Slush in the big tech event. And um, yeah, I think the started was really, really um, great experience. And I think you get the most out of it. Uh, and the same goes also in the startup life. If you really focus on your problem, what you are trying to achieve or target. And for us, it was exactly like how to approach the U.S. market and where should we focus in the U.S. market and those kind of things. So if it's really focused uh, target and a challenge, then I think you get most out of it. It's easier also for advisors, which I met many to really then give the advice for the specific problem. If it's too wide and too like all open out there, it's really hard to then also give any advice. Yeah, it is hard to know where the North Star is. Let's talk a little bit about the U.S. market. And while you're doing so, I think feel free to add on as to what Kade Science does and what you offer in that regard, You know, in addition to what I said in the open. But um, there are so many companies outside of the U.S. that sort of peer in, right? And they look into the fishbowl that is the U.S. ed tech ecosystem. And it, they want to play. They want to. They want to swim with the, sort of the, what we might say the big boys, right? Big boys and girls here in the U.S. Because it looks like it's a very prop, profitable, profitable, excuse me, opportunity. Yet there are a lot of barriers to entry, not just for U.S. companies, but for companies obviously outside of the U.S. So talk a little bit about the why. Why the U.S. for today's science? Why now the U.S. market? And has it been what you had assumed at the outset, or what are some things that have popped up that may have surprised you? Yeah, I think one of the reasons is why not only Finland is like we are too small country. <laughs> so that is also something when we founded Kida Science in Finland, we were like immediate, like, okay, we have to go abroad and to the international market. 
we didn't uh, plan to go to the US, especially at the first. We are now four years old company and we have paying customers in 30 countries. So we are in all continent already, and we have been a little bit like trying to be away from the US, but uh, now we actually got some inbound and organic demand from the US market from earlier childcare development center chains. And we were like, okay, this is actually something that the US teachers also are looking for, and they see the value. So maybe we should go after US because we do have the English speaking market as our target market, even in other countries that we are approaching international language schools or English uh, language teachers or bilingual. So that's why then we were like, okay, the US is big market enough. And now we actually see that there's organic demand and value for the teachers. So uh, why not? But we, of course, knew that there's many challenges uh, in the US market as well. Sorry, talk about the messaging differences. You know, look, you're in 30 different countries, which is an incredible achievement in four years. You're getting now inbound from the US. And I know a lot of international companies think about the narrative, the, the story that is told. Because on one hand, you have great success internationally, but you wonder if a US buyer is going to see that as value. And so how do you how do you balance that so that the US audience sees that and says, my goodness, we need to be a part of today's science because they're in 30 countries. They must be do, doing something correctly. This could really impact our school or our district. And the other side of that is, gosh, do they really understand our students? That to me is where the messaging fits in. And we talked about this during the Shark Tank event, just how incredibly impressed I was with the, the presentation of today's science, the way in which you go about laying out the narrative uh, in a very, it, it matched, like everything lined up. It felt, it felt kid-like. It felt um, substantial. Right. There are so many things that I feel not that they're vaporware, but they are it, it is much more of a facade and we're building it as we go. There's substance here in today's science. And I think that that really came across in the messaging and the branding and having those elements align. Talk a little bit about the intentionality with which you have approached branding and messaging to make sure that you could appeal to multiple audiences across the globe. Yeah, and I, now I have to say I hear so much noise back <laughs> behind me, so I'm not sure which which. How oh, it's, re it's research and development. You're a parent. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I will shout out once. Like, please, quiet. So, <laughs> sorry for one moment. Being a mom for five and six year olds. Oh my god. So, um, yes, I think like one of the biggest um, also learnings for us throughout the years was like, yes, we did the research in Finland with young children over one thousand families here in the University of. Um, Helsinki, and we found out that there is a huge um, engagement with the young children. But at the same time, we also did, of course, global research uh, with our founders. And we found out that children are quite similar still when they are in the early years. Like, And also science is a global uh, phenomenon or thing. It's like the sciences and the world, how it functions around us is everywhere the same. Of course, we have different climate um, climate act or climate uh, weathers or whatever, but still it's like uh, when we are learning about science, for example, it's still quite same everywhere in the world. It's not like a religion or history of your country or that kind of a thing. So um, all the aspects, what we have seen that works also with Finnish children, they do work also really, really well uh, when we are in the US or even in China or somewhere. So the children are really similar. Actually, the bigger problem is the parents and their kind <laughs> We're of- We're always the problem, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. 
we should blame the parents that they might have different expectations like okay what did um for example immediately after one lesson some other parents for example in finland like oh my god they are asking like did you have fun and the children yeah i really had fun i want to learn more and then some other country the parent might ask like okay can you explain me what did you learn and they are asking specific questions like almost like rote learning or having a test or something like that and that is for example not what we are trying to achieve with kids science because they are really really young children so we don't want to test them and make specific uh, so then kind of so way. then when you're building out the brand sorry so how do you then yeah. line up what message comes first I mean, we think about even website development for entrepreneurs in the space, and they're thinking about who's going to receive this and in what country. To your point, if I'm in a certain country where I want to see what the learning objective is, I might want to see that at the top as opposed to sort of the fun, the engagement that other countries might be celebrating. So how did you come to sort of the presentation that you have currently? It couldn't have just been that it was by accident. I don't get that sense from you. <laughs> yeah, I think the core <laughs> focus is all the time being like we are playful story based science education model. And that's what we really want to highlight, because um, there are many science education companies and programs out there that are really amazing. Uh, and usually they are for a little bit for all the children. And we saw that there is a, um, early adapters in this world and also the teachers who are like, I don't know nothing about science, how to teach science for early years. Like, of course, the high school kids or middle school uh, teachers, they know how to do science. And it's really different with all the children. But in young younger years, it's like you shouldn't try to just copy paste what we are doing for all the children, trying to explain science in really complex matters, but really approach from the child's world and really from the stories, imagination and how to utilize that, that they are really engaged and that kind of approach works with children, but we have to communicate that, uh, of course, for the children, uh, teachers and parents as well, that uh, even though it looks like it's play and fun for the children, it really has learning outcomes in the end that you should kind of just see it and experience for yourself. Let's talk a little bit about the Finnish culture. Could you talk about it from the frame of being a female entrepreneur and CEO? Um, you know, what is the culture like there? I mean, I've had conversations with uh, fellow Finnish entrepreneurs talking about just, um, you know, the culture in general with education and the way in which teachers are are are, are thought of um, and, and celebrated in that regard. And that's not something that every country, I think, is able to say with confidence. And there is a there's a real struggle to understand the relationship that we have with educators and the role that they play in the development and the support of our families and our children. So talk about being a female entrepreneur in Finland in in the education industry what is what is that like for those that don't know um is it you know are you a rarity are you amongst you know do we have more female ceos in finland than most countries talk a little bit about that yeah i think in general um it's really really good country to start a company as a mother in a way that um, we have long maternity leaves parental leaves uh, you actually can get uh, almost like 100% of your salary, even when you are having kids and it's like parental leave, it's like one year 
uh, like it's quite different than in the US, it's for example. It's very different. <laughs> and um, of course, that is also the time like I was working for a big corporation, a marketing uh, manager there. And when I had two babies, two in a row, like one year apart, I was really having this feeling like, do I really want to go back there or do I, do I really want to uh, make something meaningful? And I think for me, the creating a company and a startup was that I wanted to make meaningful work and after having kids it was just really natural it was something about children and their future and and then the education part in Finland I think for the for it's really different also for Finnish teachers that we parents also trust the teachers in the school or in the kindergarten we don't go there and say you do need to do this or this it's more like they really have the independence and when we saw that there is even need for these really educated teachers who have the independency to decide what kind of lessons they are using and they can create their own lesson plans and they saw value with kids science i think it was also like the match that we felt like when the education is really equal in Finland, all the schools kindergartens are the best. It's not that you have to choose which one to take your child. The next kindergarten in our house in 50 meters from here is the best for our children because they are all good ones. And then like coming from here, it's not that the education system is not broken in Finland, but it's just something that if you see a new innovation that is even accepted in Finland, uh, we felt like, okay, this is something that maybe then the, also the international um, teachers and schools might uh, see a value on, of it. And um, yeah, and I think like also uh, being a female entrepreneur in Finland, no matter if it's education or other field, um, it's an advantage, but it's also a challenge. Like I think still like the investment, I think it was like in the Nordics, even the 2% of the investment goes to female founding companies. Uh, but of course, it's a bit of chicken and egg also that there are not that many female founders, uh, even in Finland, than we have. Um, so this is not founders. just a U.S. issue. This is more of a global so issue. No, it's a global, it's global issue still. And um, of course, we could talk about this like forever, like where is the problem originally? Is it also like we don't have female investors who would then invest in females or do we have enough female founders who you could invest and start company? But I hope I will be one of the inspiring persons that somebody can look up like, okay, even having kids. I think my younger one was only six months when we started Kids Science and started to fundraise and everything. So, but I also have really, really um, uh, good husband in a way that he's also uh, helping, of course. And then my mother lives really, really close by. So I always have help as well with the kids. What have you learned about yourself through this process? I mean, you go from a corporate gig to... I mean, my goodness, you know, having a six month old, right. And <laughs> launching a company a and one and a half. Yeah. And, and so what have you learned about yourself that has either surprised you and or revealed itself? Cause I think when people think about being an entrepreneur, there are certain guideposts that they, they consider a no-go, right? Like if I can't handle the stress of cash flow, or if money, if I have a, a bad relationship with money, or if I struggle to manage people, I just don't think I, that that's a barrier I cannot overcome. And sometimes we learn a lot about ourselves that says, gosh, you know what? It was hard, but I came out on the other side of that. And now I have a different perspective. Did you have any of those experiences? And what have you learned about yourself? I just took one of those many personal tests, actually with my leadership coach. And it was um, something that just kind of um, 
highlighted the things I kind of already knew uh, that I'm really, um, how to say, like this change maker in a way that I'm all the time seeking new things and the change is like constant for us. Like I'm seeking new things and like I don't want to do a job that I'm doing every day the same thing. Like I'm looking for problems to solve and I'm all the time thinking about new things, how to do things and like it's really natural for me and for some other people that might be really really exhausting so I think like I'm a person who also is really really good personality for a startup in a way and the other thing I have found out uh, which I kind of as well knew I wasn't never like 10 out of 10 student so I wasn't oh I never was like oh my God, why didn't I have 10 or nine? I was totally fine. Like I got eight out of 10 or like, of course you have different system in US, but like I wasn't like a plus student. And um, that is something I think it's really important also in a startup. You have to launch a product that it's not like 10 out of 10 or you have to make- You have to start somewhere. Yeah, it's like, it's just something that you have to give it out there and test it. And you cannot be this uh, really detailed person who just makes for years something. And then they're like, is this really good enough to launch or something like that? So, and also I think that helps me with the stress part. Uh, I haven't yet had uh, experienced the burnout or that kind of thing. So I think it's because I have huge optimism as well as a person like, I always see that the class is half full, then half empty. Even there is a, some kind of a challenge or um, failure, I'm like, oh my God, we maybe learned something from it and then just go to the next. So I won't be uh, in the bed like, oh my God, why this happened and these kind of things. So I think it's also my personality in that sense has helped me a lot throughout these years. Um, but of course we are really different persons and there might be another startup founder that succeeds and is amazing without my optimism or something else. So, but that has been my, uh, learning that I have so really, the, really good, uh, aspects of that. Well, and I love you, you, you dropped that in there just subtly about a leadership coach, but I'm a, a big proponent of those that continue to support their ongoing learning yeah. and development, right? Because it's, we're not born CEOs or entrepreneurs, right? We're, we're born curious. And sometimes that can play well in an entrepreneurial sandbox. Uh, you talked about change and enjoying change. Is that, is that the it for you? Is that the, the adrenaline? Is that where you become an adrenaline junkie when the change happens? Is that what kind of fuels you as you go? Uh, I think that, and then other thing I have noticed that I celebrate really small victories as well. So yeah. I don't wait for like, like I'm not the person, like we have to be unicorn before we celebrate. I'm like, even a small thing. Oh my God, I get to talk with Rod. It's like <laughs> victory. <laughs> so it's like, um, I think that's really good also, especially as a startup leader that you celebrate with your team, all the small wins that then accelerate you to the next growth stage or next milestone, next target. And um, then when did you start that? Were you, were you aware from sort of day one to do that just in what that would do for your team as your team grew? Because, you know, when you're a CEO, it, it reverberates, right? There are implications beyond just when you have that celebratory moment, right? That impacts, I think, people's mood, their drive to maybe work harder, smarter, longer, these sorts of things. So when, did, when were you aware that you were doing that? 
Uh, maybe when um, we have this really open culture in the team that we share a lot like this uh, and praise others really much. And then I was almost like in my tears when I got this kind of a letter uh, from my team, like something like, thank you, Sari, that you always remember to share the victories and share the, like, I think, I don't know how many awards we have won. And it's almost like a joke in our team, like, again, no award. Is this something we need to get <laughs> celebrate? Like, is this really worth it? Or is this just somebody recognizing? I was like, we have to celebrate every time we get PR or somebody's writing about us, uh, it's never a bad thing. Uh, I think in Finnish culture in general, we are all like, we are the happiest country in the world, I think fourth year in a row. And everybody in Finland, like, it cannot be true. We cannot be there. <laughs> and they say it with a smile. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they are not like, no, it cannot be true. Like we are so modest and we never are like, oh my God, we are the best. So we are uh, sorry. How does that connect to asking for help? Maybe this is just a U.S. Yeah. thing, but there's we struggle to ask for help, right? Because if we start and we say we are going to start a company, yeah, we almost inherently bring baggage with us that says we have to portray an image of perfection, right? That where there's no frailty at all in the system, and we have all the answers. And so it becomes very hard to say to a friend or a colleague, "Gosh, I need some help. I don't know what help I need." but it's isolating being an entrepreneur or owning a small business. Yeah. So if you're the happiest country four years running, <laughs> you're smiling all the time uh, as you are right now, for those that can't see, um, you know, does that then translate to being able to ask for help and that it's okay in essence to not have the answer? Uh, I think it's natural for me, but then in general in Finland, I think we have this culture and saying even the word Sisu, which is like you even go, uh, from the wall, like through the wall, like no matter what, like we, like we, we are having that, we won even the Russia, like the biggest country in the world in a war and something like this. Like, it's like, we have the Sisu of like, uh, it doesn't matter how small team we are or how, like, if you don't have the resources, you can still be the winner and these kind of things. But it's not still like, uh, we are like really easily asking for help. So and it's not, I don't get the sense that it's arrogance. It doesn't sound like it's arrogance. Is it? No. Yeah. I think it's just like the feeling like I can manage myself and I, I don't, uh, yeah, it's not something, I think it's just really hard for Finnish people to kind of ask the help. But I think nowadays we are learning more and more. And when the startup culture as well have been uh, booming in Finland, like through SLAS events and those, it's that nowadays it's more about networking, socializing. We are coming a little bit more like US, I think, <laughs> in that, that it's uh -oh. like okay to ask help and be right. networked and um, uh, participate in these accelerators, ask for advice. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's actually interesting to see now that we have also many investors and advisors. But now I've realized that nobody has the right answer. You have to find it yourself still. Of course, you can ask advice, but still, as a startup, you have to find the right answers yourself. Well, I think you're an incredible example of, of the spirit of being an entrepreneur in, in an area and a sector that we definitely need it. Uh, we have a lot of innovation, but I think we need to make sure that we prop up the human behind the innovation because that's what really makes the engine run globally. W where can people go to learn more about Kade Science and, and if you'd like for them to connect with you? Well, kidescience.com 
is the, I think the easiest one there. You can also start the free trial um, that using our platform as a, either homeschool uh, parent or then as a teacher. And then just uh, finding we have also podcast and blog post in general about playful uh, education, which I think is really important. And we are also talking that a lot with Lego Foundation and other big companies and that's so not only if you are not a teacher or parent, but interested about knowing more about playful education, then collaborating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we are also looking for partners. So please contact me if, um, if you think that there would be some kind of a cooperation partnership uh, in place, happy to talk more. Wonderful. Well, keep up the great work. It's such a pleasure to spend some time with you outside of the shark tank <laughs> and the presenting uh, platform in that regard. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Check out Kade Science. That's K-I-D-E Science. Um, great pleasure having Sari Herme Medala, and I apologize for not having the flair of saying your name. Uh, sorry, but continued success. Uh, once again, I'm your host of On Balance, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.